We are and always will be a nation of immigrants. This is my country, my damn country. Give me my country, you can keep the rest. Old men and women yearning for freedom and opportunity who leave their homelands and come to a new country to start their lives over. We were strangers once too. My country, my damn country. Give me my country. Hi, everyone. This is With the Aliens Podcast, and I'm your host, Sasha Kapustina. In this episode, the second part of the conversation with Amrita Tadani, the founder of Neo Coco, a mission-driven apparel company that hires women refugees and displaced women who embroider Neo Coco shirts by hand. We talk about how Neo Coco has nothing to do with Coco. We talk about the power of the female body and the image of the female body. Shout out to Naked Athena of Portland. And of course, we talk about how Amrita started her company and how running a for-profit social impact company is like running two companies at the same time. I'm just in awe of how much work and how much care Amrita puts into this. And I really hope that over time, more entrepreneurs think of their businesses as mission-driven and human well-being driven rather than pure bottom line driven. Um, that's my hope, and here's my chat with Amrita. You were telling me about how you have always kept kind of that um, immigrant situation and people not being able to get to work and yeah. progress in their careers because their immigration status. And yeah, and then at that point, you know, when it's always been at the back of my mind and, you know, it's been this constant discussion with like friends and relatives and uh, a lot of other people in the community mm-hmm. that are going through the same process, you know, and like it's we just deal with it like one month at a time, you know, and or like six months at a time. And it's like, oh, OK, fine. At least we have the job for like the next one year or like three years and stuff like that. So it's like you're just you know, going with the flow. Uh, so since this conversation has always been around and that's the time when the whole Syria refugee uh, issue was. And and obviously I started like thinking, I was like, just, can you just imagine like what must be happening to these people who are in transit from one country to another and what happens to their status or what happens to their education and what happens to women who are traveling with kids and, you know. Yeah, so maybe like as a social impact, you know, because obviously as an immigrant, that's always been like at the back of my mind, you know, how uh, different uh, people from different countries have to wait a different uh, different. Uh, periods of time to get their visa and how that work visa translates into a green card and how that green card eventually translates into being a citizen of the United States. And for a lot of countries, it's such a long waiting process. And I know that for Indians, especially, it, it could be anywhere between six years to, you know, even 15 years. So which I've is, heard that for H-1B visas, yes. they can be like 70 years, 50 years wait. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I don't know if it's that long. Maybe I'm Depending just on to, region. Right. Maybe, you know, maybe I'm just trying to be 
positive in say 15 years but it's been i've been in the country 10 years and we haven't got our great card yet so that's definitely a really long process and it changes i mean if you look at 10 years in a human life you know and at the time that a lot of immigrants i mean uh, immigrants come into the country is obviously at a time when you are applying to schools and colleges and when you're starting your career so like it's not easy during that time for you to jump jobs you know especially in an economy like what it is right now where companies are not willing to uh, do the process for you and a lot of companies don't understand the process you know unless they have a huge percentage of indians working in their companies uh, yeah. so they are used to doing, doing it for a lot of uh, their employees but uh, smaller companies and startups that are not used to it and Uh, they're not willing to do the process. So it's not, you know, that's the time period in a person's life when they're looking for that dream job and they're supposed to be like working and they're supposed to be like growing. Like Mm -hmm. something like that just shuns that growth, you know, and does not give you the options or the possibilities of saying, oh, you know, maybe I should try applying to this company. You're, you're just kind of, you're stuck in that one place. Yeah. And you just like keep working there because the company's already uh, doing the process for you. Yeah. And it's not easy for you to just jump and leave, you know. So yeah. a lot of, and, and that's the time in your life where you're jumping from one job to another, making uh, more money, like growing as an individual, growing in your career, you know, and then after seven years, after 10 years, you realize you're like, geez, I've just been working with this one company. And then eventually when you get your green card, like you're not anywhere close to, you know, any sort of growth when it comes to applying for another job in a different company, you know, because you don't have that pace of growth and experience as other people have. Yeah. So I just think it's it's such an important time to be growing yeah and that's the time that you know you're you're uh, waiting for that h1b for the visa or for the green card you're just waiting and it shuns a lot of uh, growth career-wise for a lot of people um definitely yeah so that being said so i i knew what the process was and i i always had the back had it at the back of my mind because we are going through it as a family and you know i we know so many friends uh, that are going through something similar and it's just hard to think of like immigrants when they are coming into the country and what they have to go through you know and what kind of jobs they have to settle for and uh, the families that they have to like take care care of and then when you come and when you start thinking about uh, refugees and uh, you know displaced families that have moved into this country so yeah so it's been like this dialogue at home you know with me and my husband and I was like oh my god I can't even like imagine what is happening to these uh, people and then I started doing a little more research in terms of like you know reaching out to resettlement agencies and like reading up on the IRC you know and seeing uh, how they were helping communities of uh, refugees and displaced families, you know, and trans- uh, helping them with like their paperwork and getting them from uh, war stricken countries to like countries like the United States or countries in Europe, where it was a safer, better life for them. Uh, and as I started researching, I 
got a chance to and this was a really slow process like I think I was for two years that's what I was doing you know I was just educating myself Mm -hmm. on how uh, like because I I had to meet like real families to understand what the issue was you know Mm -hmm. just reading it uh, and listening to things in the media was not enough and Uh, so at that point that you already knew that you wanted to start a business that would no no at that point I was just educating myself and I had no idea I wanted to start a business but I knew that I wanted to be involved in some way Mm -hmm. and you know maybe just meet with them and see how we can help them Mm -hmm. so that's how I started reaching out to these organizations and then slowly started having opportunities to meet these families. And I met uh, two or three families and, you know, everyone had a different story. Uh, Some people had moved here uh, and the entire, uh, you know, uh, I mean, it was an easy process for some of them. For some, it was not so easy. Mm -hmm. So it was interesting to like see you know, how uh, they were being moved from one country and which organizations were helping them. And a lot of times when the organizations, like when they introduce you to the families, obviously like they are present, you know, they're there for the first introduction. Mm -hmm. So you get like an all-round view of what is going on, you know, where the families are and uh, the organizations are able to have someone to translate for you if they don't understand or speak the language, mm-hmm. you know, and like explain to you exactly uh, what went on and where they need help, you know, because a lot of times, like, even though they're in the country, they don't, they, I mean, the, the most important help that they need is like money, you know, but they're not just going to ask for money. I think it's more like us even talking to them and like trying to figure out like what kind of a job would you like to do? Like mm-hmm. a lot of women, when they met me, they, didn't even realize that hand embroidery could be something that would be a job for them. Mm-hmm. You know, they just thought of it as a skill that they did, you know, that they used to um, mend clothes mm-hmm. or alter, do alterations on mm-hmm. trousers and uh, basic clothes at home. Mm-hmm. So they never, th- they never thought of it as a skill that would be able to get them money. Mm-hmm. So, so the more I started meeting with them, eventually we reached a point where we had a large enough group and I had, you know, enough support from the organizations to create a workshop for these women to come in. And, you know, we would just, we just started by hand embroidering, like mm-hmm. flowers or just something, you know, and using that, eventually we realized that it could develop into something much more and that's when I got the idea and I was like okay I think we should use this to create something because I already had a background in fashion and I understood that how you know uh, people saw hand embroidery as a very expensive couture feel to it Uh, but for these women it was just you know a basic skill that they all knew growing up Mm -hmm. Uh, it wasn't even something that they would maybe use they just used it for simple things at home to, like yeah. I said, like the men clothes or alter clothes. Right. Yeah. So it was interesting to like trans, you know, use that and then make it into something where they could work from home and even earn money from it. 
That's so cool. So, so how did the how did you put it together? Uh, like like I said, it was a slow process. Like we started with the workshops, and we had uh, workshops every weekend with these women. And a lot of times, you know, like we would meet at someone's house, or like one of the organizers from uh, the organization would have would invite us to their place, and you know, we would meet with the women, mm-hmm. and we would they would just have tea and coffee uh, with a little bit of snacks on the table. So it was a social kind of thing. Yeah, it was more like a social kind of thing. And it, I, I feel like at the beginning, we just wanted to get them all together because we knew that by meeting each other, they would have similar stories to discuss with each other. You know, they would find friends within each other, within mm-hmm. that group, and they would kind of form a community of like-minded women. Because mm-hmm. when they come here, they... Uh, they are helped with housing, but they don't necessarily get to live. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like they're living in a community. Of, of course not, yeah. People that have been through the yeah. same ordeal. So they help them find housing, but the housing could be anywhere. It could be really away from the, the rest of the community uh, with whom they belong, you know. Mm-hmm or whom they would want to live with. So uh, once we started meeting, like the whole point of those meetings was just to like, you know, have them meet each other. And the organization, like anyone from the organization, whoever helped us like set up these meetings, they were really nice about it. They were like, hey, why don't we just have it at our place? You know, it would be, and they thought of it as like a good way to get the women together Mm -hmm. and see how. And I think within three or four weeks of getting to know them, and, you know, we had like a translator, um, who would come along for the meetings as well. And, you know, they would translate and tell us about their stories and tell us what they've been through and what is it that they really need. You know, like even in terms of a job, like the women didn't know what they wanted because they're so new to this American culture that they, I mean, if you're not, if you don't know the culture, you don't know what would be like the, uh, yeah, how to apply yourself, like, in it. you know, yeah. And how, how do you get your first job? Yeah. You know, so like a lot of things were very new for them. And I think they just felt safer being at home and not doing anything. But at the same time, they were desperate, you know. So what was your path as as an entrepreneur in that in that field? Like, how did you put it together? How did you decide, okay, we're going to do it? Like, how did you? I'm curious, because I am trying to start something not exactly like that but i am yeah. trying to figure out how to create social impact with this little piece that i'm creating right so i'm curious how did you put the things together like the funding and the in the distribution and all of that so uh at, at that time i was working with a stylist and you know i i kind of came up with the idea because i didn't want to continue working uh with, at that job for too long and I knew that I wanted to do something on my own so I was I had that at the back of my mind and I knew that I wanted to do something but I didn't know uh, what exactly but the more I kept talking and having these conversations with this with these women I realized that you know after I think a few weeks the group just kept getting smaller and smaller mm. and I realized that they, the women were not coming because they was 
they the that group was not their priority like it wasn't important for them to come there and mm. get to know one another as much as yeah. it was important for them to like find a job or just do yeah. something meaningful you know like they were they were like i don't think this is the time for us to like make friends you know while we don't have jobs or we need to like support our kids uh, so uh, so those conversations actually led to i was like oh, okay why don't we just try making a couple of samples and like figuring it out you know so we mm-hmm. started by making uh, just two or three designs which we still have on our website actually because those do really well so the, we came up with like three designs and we uh, you know i got like plain basic white t-shirts and we started like hand embroidering them uh, so we did the uh, we did the samples and then I started distributing those samples just to all my friends. Mm-hmm. You know, I started getting like feedback in terms of oh, what do you think of the artwork? Is it something that you would wear and walk around, you know, would uh, uh, like what were people's reactions to those t-shirts? And then we had I had this really sweet friend, I mean I still have her. She's a photographer and she was more than happy to just shoot that entire collection for me. Mm-hmm. you know just like three t-shirts and we did a photo shoot uh and just started you know like started an instagram page we started doing markets um mm-hmm. you know a lot of uh markets where people would come and buy the t-shirts so it was a really slow process like i think we were just selling it to people who you know who would come for the markets and then we had them sign up to our mailing list so we kind of like grew very organically uh and then you know i i started sending them like monthly newsletters and we started like instagram is like one of our is a really huge platform for us and even mm-hmm. sending out newsletters and at that time i think because we were doing so many markets like now we are not, we stopped doing them because of covid but mm-hmm. you know uh like when when you do a market you have at least 3000 people in a day like or mm-hmm. on a weekend walking through those doors so at any given point you can make you know like you land up meeting at least 500 people so on the weekend so which was great for us you know like we would get so many people to like sign up to our mailing list you know mm-hmm. till today we are in touch with each and every one of them you know and a lot of them are return customers for us so we grew really organically and it was me constantly just you know i had their stories put up you know on a little uh like we had brochures we had you know postcards we had our business cards we did it in a way where you know we were constantly putting those women in the forefront you know mm-hmm. and i whether it was like five people who walked into the door or whether it was like 100 people you know like i repeated the same story over and over again you know like i told them about the women i told them about how we started i told them about the process of hand embroidery i told them about the artwork so they got a sense of exactly what we were doing mm-hmm. you know and a lot of them connected with the brand in that way i personally connected through the artwork because i thought yeah. it was so bold and yeah. it was uh it's feminine but it's strong i don't yeah. know um it's there's always um i'm always intrigued by the reaction of people to nudity yeah. and uh it, i don't know uh have you been following the news did you see that woman that she got called naked mm-hmm. athena yeah the one in portland right yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and yeah. uh when i saw that image the 
the the image of your uh, artwork popped up in my head too yeah. because it's kind of like putting it in front there and making people deal with it kind of and i think and and when we started this also there was something in my head just kept that kept telling me that this issue this global crisis is not going anywhere you know it's only going to keep getting worse and it is it's just like getting worse and i feel what happens is that when something is not going to get better you know and it's just going to be there yeah. it's affecting so many people's lives but for the ones who are not getting affected by it it's very easy for them to forget about it yes you know so i think that was another thing that really uh, made me think about you know what is it that you want to put on the t-shirts and we realized very quickly that the artwork was more a conversation starter you know mm-hmm. talking about you know women's rights and the fact that it was hand embroidered and not just a print was you know an additional conversation starter for people to talk about you know how time consuming it is what kind of women can do that kind of work you know and mm-hmm. some and how it's you know very uh, therapeutic for a lot of women mm-hmm. to hand embroider stuff so it 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 all became like this conversational piece and i knew that i wanted that you know so i knew that that the artwork had to be bold and people had to look at it and you know talk about it as women's rights you know women who are financially on their path to being financially independent by hand embroidering t-shirts you know and those t-shirts mean something to the ones who have hand embroidered them so it's like for anyone who's like buying it they need to i mean for, they immediately understand that you know the hand embroidery and the artwork on a t-shirt is representative of the women who are hand embroidering it and how it's going to change their lives and i have a question just kind of for me you know because i'm trying to you know get the podcast out and i'm trying to figure out the audience and yeah. i have a and we're kind of dealing with a similar you know audiences here and yeah. i'm i'm not i can't say worried but i have this feeling that maybe as you said like somebody who's not directly affected might not care so I have a feeling that somebody who was, you know, born and raised in in the states wouldn't want to hear the stories. Do you feel yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, it's you know and it 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 was also a test for us when we did these markets where a lot of people walk, would walk into our store and, you know, we, they would just make a face and walk by. You know, mm-hmm. so they they would see like nudity on t-shirts and they'd be like I'm not going to enter this booth. Mm. you know and not, i mean for me i was just like okay so you're not a customer and of course it's it's true it's like you know if i'm selling just a basic t-shirt with nothing on it uh you know 100 people will buy that t-shirt but you know out of those 100 maybe only 15 will buy my t-shirt you know right. but like it's at least i know that the product that i'm making is not boring you know and definitely not <laughs> and it's uh see the audience is always going to grow because you know there's there's so many people in this world and you have to have that outreach but literally 
you know, even with, with your podcast, it's just a matter of someone important listening to it and being affected by it and like turning around and saying, Hey, like, this is amazing, you know, and then everyone's going to be like, Oh, wow, that is amazing. You know, we should listen to it. It's like my t-shirt, you know, it's like right now, people who are who are buying it are passionate about what we are doing you know they understand what we are doing and they want to be involved and that's why they are buying from us uh, and they want to wear the uh, wear the t-shirt and talk about the artwork and spread the word so they are wearing it you know mm-hmm. tomorrow is if a celebrity wears our t-shirt you know that's all we need you know to mm-hmm. like have from 15 people to like thousands of people buying it yeah. So I think it's all, it's all about like changing people's mentality and changing people's, you know, it, it, you just have to keep doing what you're doing if you believe in it. Right. And, you know, the, it'll, it, yeah, like the right people will listen to it and the right people will buy it. Right. Yeah, this, I mean, definitely our market is much smaller than what, you know, uh, a regular solid white t-shirt would sell Um, well the thing is my question is maybe i didn't word it quite right but the thing is the immigration conversation is always is not just the conversation between immigrants because it has to be the conversation with people who are from here so the whole point of my podcast is somehow to move the conversation and but the fear is with with my thing and i don't know if you have a similar fear with with your thing is that people who are not directly affected who are not immigrants or children of immigrants or spouses of immigrants are not going to care to hear but i feel times are changing you know and when we it is also such a complicated process like when I tell people about the H-1B visa or like, you know, a green card. They know what a green card is, but they don't truly understand the process. And I get it. You know, if you're like, if you're born here, yeah. you know, you don't, like, for example, like me living, being born in India, I don't really understand what the immigration process for someone coming into the country is, you know, and have I really taken the time to like understand it and read read up on it like I only did that after I moved into this country and I was like oh my god I wonder what it's like back home Mm -hmm. you know so when you're living here you don't really like understand the process but I feel like a lot of people now are more engaged and more concerned because they want everyone to have equal rights you know so I feel like people are taking that extra effort to you know, like study and understand, like they might not know exactly what every country is going to individually, going through individually to yeah. be a citizen of the United States. But I think, you know, they're very supportive and they want to help and they want to be engaged in ways uh, in much, I mean, much more now than before. So I think that conversation is definitely up. Like when I talk to my friends about it, you know, now they do want to know, you know, and now I feel like they know what what the right questions are for them to ask, you know, and they do ask me the right questions. Um, But a lot of times, like even it's, it's a lot of learning and it's a lot of, you know, being exposed to what immigration really is and how it's really affecting people that are moving here. Uh, So it's both ways. I feel like even I've had to do the work to really understand 
what it is for me to like explain mm-hmm. to people you know how difficult it is because it's not just me you know it's like there's so many people that try and move here from different countries and like every country has like their own separate rules mhm and so so with your with your um company right it's not organization it's a company it's a company yeah yeah so what is what is your next step like what is the what do you how do you mo- want to move it forward like how do, how we want to grow um we want to definitely create more jobs for these women so and hopefully like have you know in person workshops where uh, or even have a store where people can come and you know we can create other opportunities for these women than just hand embroidering mm-hmm. you know it, uh, have a retail space where we can have different jobs for them and maybe move the groups and have them in different states as well like you know we would work love to work with an organization in new york or in seattle or in chicago mm-hmm. that uh, where we can have you know uh, displaced women and refugee women who can work from there and mm-hmm. we can just extend yeah just uh, increase the the boundaries and so how would that bit. work you would need somebody to start a group there or you would partner with an organization and like partner with an organization yeah mm-hmm. we we are we know of a few organizations and we are constantly like speaking with them and trying to figure out you know how we can grow mm-hmm. uh, and there are a lot of organizations there that would love to partner with us and have jobs you know created for so many other women um but at the same time we are, are the company needs to like grow for that to happen got it i'm yeah. just trying to figure out what can happen for you maybe somebody you know, as you said you know somebody hears it and somebody is like oh this that's the thing that we should do yeah you know who knows yeah and we would also like I I don't know about a retail space anymore with this whole covid thing but we did want to I mean we do want to have a retail space you know like a space where we can have other jobs for women as well you know like if they want to have a job in retail if they want to have a job in production uh behind the scenes you know working with merchandise uh, so that was the plan initially but with this whole covid thing I'm not really sure of what right. retail I, i don't know what direction retail is going in right now i mean so it's just safer for us to be online yeah, i mean nobody knows where is anything is going right now so i know <laughs> it's so scary hey um well uh, before we go um tell me where the name came from so new coco was the name of uh, a chieftain's wife in a tribe and she was the strongest woman in the tribe. I'm so glad I asked because in my head it was it had something to do with Coco Chanel. No, I know I've gotten I've gotten that many I'm times. I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure. So, yeah. which hold on, which tribe? So it's a tribe in Thailand. I remember watching this documentary years ago and that's where I got the name from. So I'm not entirely sure, but I remember the name just stuck with me and she was the strongest woman in the tribe. you know and uh, i remember the documentary just had a lot of conversation about how, what she stood for the women in her community and how they all looked up to her 
and that name just stuck with me and i just had the name since i love it it's yeah. a cool story much better than coco chanel yeah not much better than coco chanel <laughs> yeah i don't know why people tend to spell it as n e o like a uh, uppercase n e o and then an uppercase c o c o so everyone yeah i don't know i think there might be another company or something as neo coco i don't know i need to look it up i need to look it up yeah and, and everyone uh, spells it differently every time and let's put email. the story up on on the on the web about yeah. neo coco neo coco strong lady yeah i need to i need to yeah, yeah. maybe it'll, it'll definitely yeah it's interesting i need to put it up on the website yeah but a lot of people definitely ask me where the name came from it's a good name yeah i love, I love it, it. Um is there do you have any other advice for other um entrepreneurs who are thinking about starting a a mission driven business a, a a business that is focused on solving some issue or helping some issue I I think the most important thing you really just have to be passionate about the issue you know whatever it is that you want to solve uh whatever the problem is you need to be passionate about it you need to understand it and you need to you know be uh have empathy towards the people that are involved and being affected by that problem uh yeah that's about it i mean even with a product you know it it can be anything um but also pricing the product right is important mm-hmm. you know understanding i mean whether a certain percentage is going or are you a non-profit or a profit company and there's nothing wrong by uh, with being a profit uh, driven company you mm-hmm. know it's understanding how the profits or whatever part of the uh, revenue that goes back into the company to you know make uh, to re- resolve the problem like how that is going in mm-hmm. uh, and what are the problems that need to be resolved mhm yeah so that's the important thing but just be passionate about what you're trying to do i mean there's no point in doing something like that if you're not passionate about it you know your heart and soul will never be into it it'll just become a pain in the butt to For do sure. it because i feel like once you start doing it you realize that the problem is so much larger than just the you know making t-shirts tell me more about it yeah. what what was that because, for you because it feels like having two different companies it's not you know it's not just like one company it's like having two different branches under one roof what do you mean because there's uh, one aspect of it which is like the product aspect of it and the production and the t-shirts and the design mm-hmm. and the second is you know where you are the social impact uh, of the company you know where you're working with these women where you're uh, helping them you know it's not it's not just like money and okay that's it you know you're working with them you're understanding what their requirements are what their needs are for the moment you're helping them meet those needs hmm. you know so it's you when you're doing when it's like a social impact company i feel like it's two businesses under one umbrella hmm yeah that makes sense yeah <laughs> So yeah, I mean, so you have to like be wanting to run it in that way. And how do you find the balance? How do you how do you know what to 
push forward? Uh, we, because we meet with these women every week. So we are in constant you know, conversation with them and we know exactly what their needs and wants are. And how, what do you mean, like what their needs and wants are? Like, how do you address it? I mean, recently we had an issue with one of the women that works with us, you know, and she's in need of a lawyer now uh, because mm. uh, her son went through uh, an issue. And anyway, so so we need so we needed to like help her with that, you mm-hmm. know. So even I mean, even though she's working as an employee with us, it's you know like we do. Uh, take that extra step and we are like, okay, you know, tell us exactly what we need. And then we'll reach out to our contacts and see how we can like help her because she, she doesn't know anyone here in this country, you know? So I feel like as women, we need to, you know, be their voice and advocate for these women, uh, especially when they don't know anyone and they are new to this country. So basically, the company becomes a community for them. Yeah. Yeah. We are more a community. We are more a platform for them, you know, that they can use than Mm. just a company where they are working. What do they tell you about how they feel about working, doing this? They love working with us. Yeah. Like, I think they, even the fact that you know it's hand embroidery and they're working from home it's easy for them to be at home and work from home because they don't need to like commute anywhere they have more control over uh, they have more time to work you mm-hmm. know and they ha- it gives them a balance between work and home uh, yeah. things going on at home uh, and yeah I mean they love it it's also a way for them to like escape you know it's like uh, it's very therapeutic for them. Mm-hmm. And every time, if they need anything, you know, they just like pick up the phone and they'll call me and they'll let me know uh, if something's going on. And we're always there to like listen to them and help them in whatever way they need. You know, and like I think like over a period of time, also we've built relationships with all these organizations and a lot of these women have been introduced to us through the organization. So we'll always work alongside with the organization and be like, you know, hey, like I'll send out an email blast and be like, hey, we are looking for a lawyer for some for so and so. Is there anyone who knows someone? You know, and they'll always like respond back. There are a few of our clients as well who would who've reached out to me personally and they're like, if you ever need anything, just give us a call and let us know. So I have like a separate email blast that goes out to these women, you know, and someone will like step in and say, like, hey, you know, we're more than happy to like help. Why don't you direct her to so and so? So it becomes like a community space and a safe space for these women. And for me as well, you know, because then I know that there are certain people that I can trust uh, mm-hmm. and help them like resolve issues without making it like a company thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I like that. Yeah. Wow. So it, it is. So, I mean, it's only if you're passionate about something like that, would you be willing? To... It's just such a different way of conducting of business. Working. Yeah, it is. Because, you know, we live in the States and you know, there's this, uh, you know, movement right now to get people minimum wage. Yeah. And yeah. you're taking on, you know, getting lawyers for your uh, employees and, and helping with resolving like their 
I don't know what else, what, what else, yeah. what kind of other problems you're helping them with. But it's just such a like what I'm what I'm getting at is it's just it's just such a different approach at at it. Um, and I don't know if um, if this approach would ever <laughs> if it's if it's scalable. <laughs> I don't know, you know, and yeah, and that is definitely something that really scares me. And I don't know it, if it is, but I enjoy doing it. And, you know, I've, I know that I, and I feel that I'm doing the right thing. So I'm just going to like, right, keep doing it for as long as I can do it. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. I love I it. Mean, yeah, I, there, there's no point me thinking about it. You know, it's like, even if they're too two women whose lives I can change, like, I think I'll be happy with it. I love your idea. I love Thank the way you. you're doing business. I think that this is a beautiful contribution. And I hope there's more businesses like that and who think that way. And I think maybe maybe we're headed that direction. Yeah, I, I definitely think we are. You know, I have a lot of friends who have small businesses and I've been lucky to meet with them, you know, in the last couple of years that I've started my own. And it, they're, it's really inspiring to have conversations with them and to really understand what the future of fashion really means to them. You know, in terms of like they are talking sustainability, they're not just using it as like uh, mm -hmm trendy words, you know, they, they, they're really doing the work. And I think that's what it is. You know, the small businesses have always been doing the work. You know, the people, people just need to support small businesses because when you support small businesses, the businesses will have a platform to showcase the yeah. work that they've been doing. You know, but the principles are there. The foundation is right. And people need to support small businesses because uh, they're doing, they're definitely doing the work. So how can people support your business? So people can go to our website, uh, neococo.com, and all our products are on the website. The stories of all the women that have worked on our products are on the website. So uh, they can subscribe and become join our subscriber list and become part of the community. They can also follow us on Instagram at neococo underscore tribe. And yeah, we have daily updates on what we are doing, uh, new products that are launching, and everything is up on the website. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks. This is great. I love it. Thanks, Sasha. Thank you, Amrita. This was fun. All the best to your business, and I hope it changes the world. Yes, I hope so. <laughs> it will, it will. All good things. Yes, it does already in small ways. In small it ways, yeah. yeah. And it will. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks so much. Right. And all the Thank best you. with this. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Take care. Bye. Bye. That's it for today. Tune in for a new story next week. This week's episodes were edited and mixed by Damien Rowley. And as always, we thank Ben Bostick for allowing us to use his song, My Country. Please subscribe wherever you're listening. Leave us a review. It really helps to move the podcast up in the algorithms of those apps and make it more visible. Even a couple words make a difference or just a couple stars or five stars, whatever you feel like. Um, any number of stars is better than no stars at all. Um, so 
and then go straight to Neococo website, neococo.com, and get a mask or a shirt. Then follow us on social media, leave us a comment, and let us know what you think about all of this. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's a lot of homework for you. Um, thank you for listening. And remember, we're here to stay. We'll find our way. Love you all. Country, you can keep the rest. This is my country, my damn country, and it don't mean a thing.